So, uh, good morning. We're very excited to uh, celebrate our second birthday, as I have said earlier. For those who are visiting, our friends and our families, um, if you're visiting even here for the first time, like Ethan, we want, we're glad that you can join us on this uh, momentous day, so to speak. It's a special day for us because um, restoration has only been in existence for two years. We start, our first meeting was on 9-11, believe it or not. Yes, September 11, 2016. And, uh, and two years later, we, we trusted for many birthdays to come, and now we're in year two, and we're trusting for many more to come. The reason I'm confident in saying that there will be more birthday celebrations because uh, restoration was God's idea, and she was established by God a long time ago. I truly believe that because... Uh, we truly believe that because restoration exists not because I think it was a good idea. Vanessa and I didn't think that was a good idea. Uh, just to set the record clear, I never thought it was a good idea to start up a church from scratch. I still don't. So it was never our idea to start up a church. It was and it has always been God's idea and his plan. So it exists because God has established it. He knew when and how it was going to happen, the timing and the place. And we just happened to be the people who wanted to be used by God to set the will in motion for his church, um, right? Because why would anyone in their right mind would want to plant a church from scratch, right? You're laughing because that's true. We are a very small group of people. We're not out of touch with reality. We're, 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 we're sane, we're practical, we understand what's going on. Uh, we didn't know that it would look crazy. It would look, it would look like a cult. You know, I used to make fun of those people all the time. Because uh, we know what it would look like. And it would look like that to most people. Even knowing that. So we knew that. But we still went forth with it because we knew. And we somehow still know deep in our hearts. It was a call from God. That the creator of the universe has established this church, Restoration. What we see now at Restoration is a result of their unwavering faith and trust in our mighty living God. He is, and he's, he will be continually adding people to his church, and he's building his church. So he is using restoration among many other churches to show all people of his glory. So today we're celebrating restoration's second birthday, but to really be honest with you, we are really celebrating, and we actually want to celebrate the goodness and the amazing love and the faithfulness of our incredible God that we worship. So that's actually what I want to talk about this morning, our amazing God. So if you're here for a feel-good story about restoration, maybe we'll come back to that at the end. I just want to talk about the God that we worship, the God that we adore, the God that why we gather together for this morning, and the God that we sang for this morning because he is so good. We don't just say those things. We sing it out. We're declaring it. We're proclaiming it. We're speaking out the truth because he is a good God. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, just his love for all of his people, believers and non-believers alike, his goodness and his faithfulness, the only true God as we celebrate what he's doing in restoration and through each of us. So in order to do that, I want to take us back all the way to the beginning in Genesis shortly after creation. So I'm going to use the verse from Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. I think it's on the back of me. So I'm going to, we're going to read through this together. 
the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to read the second half of that verse again, just in case you guys missed that. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I think most of us know what happened after that with Adam and Eve. Just for the sake of having everyone on the same page, I will briefly summarize what happened. So um, the devil, which he did exist, and he still does, by the way. So don't think that he doesn't exist anymore. Uh, he still exists now. So he tricked Adam and Eve into eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, whom God had specifically told them not to. So God said, you can eat, I'm paraphrasing now, you can eat from any tree, any tree, including the tree of life. You can eat from any tree, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Adam and Eve could have eaten from any tree, including the tree of life. It was in the middle of the garden, right? I'm assuming you can't miss it. In the middle of the garden, there were two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. According to this verse, I am envisioning it for it to be two big trees right next to each other. You can't miss it. Either the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what I'm envisioning in the middle of the garden. So this garden of Eden, which God has created for us, a, a wonderful place for mankind. I want to talk a little bit about the garden of Eden. It's a wonderful place for us to live in because God has created the garden of Eden for us and with us in mind. So I imagine uh, it to be a perfect place where we can be in harmony with nature and all the animals and the birds in the sky, in, in the sky of all living things. We're all going to be in harmony together. It's a place where all the plants were pleasing to the eyes. We can see that. And the fruits were good to eat. We live in the city, so we may not fully know what it is like to be surrounded by all types of trees where the fruits were not only good to look at, but also delicious in many different flavors. Right? I was born in Vietnam. I think you know that. And I can tell you that people can live happily and very healthily off just many fruits and, and plants there. There are many types of fruits that you can eat and you probably have never even heard or seen. There are so many, so many. So I, I'm saying that just to say, oh, trust me, this is come from meat eater. <laughs> I'm not a vegetarian, by the way. I'm not, and I'm not advocating to be a vegetarian. So what I'm trying to say is in the Garden of Eden, there's so many things that you can just eat and it's really good to look at. And it's a, I imagine it to be a place where God had created a perfect environment for mankind to live, as I said earlier. And in order to, and as I was working through this, I was like, what is it like? Because I've never been there. You've never been there, right? I'm assuming none of you have ever been there. So I want to use an analogy to really help us have a better understanding of what the Garden of Eden was like. So I want to use an analogy from a movie. If you guys have been here more than one time, you know I always use movies. I love watching movies all types, well, just action movies, not all types of movies. So I want to use a movie, the highest grossing movie worldwide of all time. So not just in North America, not just in the last 10 years. 
the Garden of Eden, going back to the Garden of Eden, is a perfect environment for mankind to live in, right? So it's similar to the planet Pandora in the movie Avatar. Have you guys seen that movie? Most of you have seen that movie because it's the highest grossing movie worldwide of all time. So this uh, Avatar is the movie made by James Cameron. It's not to be confused with Avatar, The Last Airbender. That is not the highest grossing movie of all time. So, so anyway, for those who haven't seen the movie Avatar, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to where we need to go. So Pandora is a fictional planet in a fictional movie where people were able to communicate to animals, if you've seen the movie, and they were in tune, very in tune with all the trees and the plants uh, on that planet. So I believe the reason why Avatar, the movie, was so wildly popular is because we all want to live on that fictional planet, Pandora. We all want to be on a planet where we can communicate with all the animals, instinctively know and understand the purpose of each plant and each fruit and what they are there for. We live in the city, as I said. I'm a city guy, so I'm not bashing the city people. We live in the city, so we're so used to the comfort of the city, right? Like the AC, the heat in the winter time, no mosquitoes when you're inside the house, no spiders, no bugs, no bats, no what have you. And, and also we're, we're more familiar with, at least I'm familiar from watching the Discovery Channel, we're familiar with the concept in, in the wilderness where there are bugs and and fire ants and things that will bite you and get under your skin and live under your skin for like days and weeks and months that will leave lasting injuries or maybe even leading to death. So it's scary when you go out in the wilderness. But the Garden of Eden is not like that at all. There were no bugs, no spiders, no mosquitoes, no fire ants that would just eat you up. So the Garden of Eden is similar to the planet Pandora just to give us a picture of what it's like. We can live safely and comfortably in this forest with all the plants and all the animals and all the trees. I feel the reason the movie Avatar was so popular, the highest grossing movie of all time, worldwide, is because it's so popular to everyone and appeal to everyone regardless of the culture that you live in, regardless of geography in South America, North America, Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, North Pole, South Pole, it's, it's regardless of where you live because this fictional planet, Pandora, is a place where we all want to be taken back to, the Garden of Eden. It's a place where we were created, we were meant to be in. We were created for a place like that, the place where we were meant to live in the Garden of Eden. It's a place where we yearn to be. It's a place where we're missing for even if we haven't seen it, right? Even if we haven't seen it, even if we haven't experienced it, deep down, we know we belong to a place like that. It's because deep in our hearts, we know there's a place that we're meant to be. That, my friend, is the Garden of Eden. So if you think the Garden of Eden is like something you've seen on Discovery Channel, put that aside. Watch Avatar. That is what the Garden of Eden is like. I wanted to give a visual picture of the Garden of Eden so us city folks can have an appreciation for how incredible, incredible this Garden of Eden is. How incredible that place was. I want to set the scene for what God has created for us and he has given us total control over this 
Garden of Eden, right? Because we know that if, as we um, read on to Genesis chapter 2 later on, he brought all the animals to Adam to name. Adam named all the animals and all the birds in the sky. So keep that in mind. That's what it's like. The Garden of Eden was created for us and with us in mind. So I want to set the scene for that for us to have an idea and an appreciation for what it is like and much more importantly, what we lost through the one act of disobedience. That's what we had, and I want to talk about what we lost. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, the same verse. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It still hurt me when I read that verse. I don't know if you guys seen that. There were two trees. Why didn't you eat from the tree of life first? Anyway, <laughs> I'm just letting you know what I'm thinking in my mind. So anyway, so I think the story that you guys know what's going on, the devil did not want Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of life. That's why. So he tricked Adam and Eve by essentially saying that God lied to you. You surely will not die. When you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not only you will not die, you will be just like God. I think that's my phone ringing. Oh, it's our food delivery. Um, where was I? So the devil lied to us. He said, no, you will not die. Go ahead, eat it. It's good for you. But we know that the devil lied, right? Because physically, we will die. I, I think that's a fact. We know that, right? Physically, we will die. And secondly, the devil pushed our ego button by saying that we would also like, we will be like God. Our desire to learn and to know everything. So this lie prompted Adam and Eve. And I'm saying Adam and Eve because Adam was with Eve the whole time. But he failed to speak up. As a father and a husband, I was both saddened and anger to see that Adam cowardly, is that the right term? Cowardly stepped back and forced Eve to have to deal with the lies from the devil and make this momentous decision on her own without help. A decision that impacted all generations that would come after them. Because we know this, later on, um, uh, scripture talked about Eve gave Adam the apple because he was with her. But anyway, that's a sermon for another day. So anyway, this lie and deceit from Satan caused Adam and Eve to choose the knowledge of good and evil over eternal life. Because why didn't Adam just say, hey, hey, babe, let's, uh, let's think about this for a second. Let's just kind of talk this through. But no, nothing happened. Sorry, that was not in my notes. I didn't mean to say that. So anyway, let's go back to this. So sadly, what happened in Genesis 2, the Garden of Eden, brought generational death. Not just death to Adam and Eve, but generational death. And it took us away from the perfect environment. Think planet Pandora. A perfect environment that God has created for us. However, the story has good news. It has a good ending. It is because our God is good. That's why we sing that he is good. Because he is a compassionate and loving God. He is faithful to us even when we're not faithful to his word or not faithful to him. 
there's a good news in this catastrophic incident. And the good news is that God is giving us all a chance to have a real life do-over. Have you ever had a real life do-over? You're playing video games, yes, you get a do-over. But in real life, do you ever wish, oh man, I wish I could have done things differently? Oh, I wish I would have made a different decision? Well, here you go. We have a chance for a real life do-over. Because if you're saying to yourself, because this is what I say to myself, if, if I was Adam and Eve, I wouldn't be disobedient, right? I would be perfect. And I would choose eternal life over, over eternal death. I would choose eternal life and live in a perfect environment, which was created specifically for me. If that's what you say, because that's what I say. If that's what you say, here's your chance. That's what the good news is. It's our chance to say we would do it over again. We would choose the tree of life. At least that's how I view it. That's how I view the good news. That's how I view the gospel. It's a chance for us to have a do-over. Because Adam and Eve's act of disobedience caused us to be separated from God and caused us to be taken away from an ideal and perfect environment that was created for us. The good news is we don't have to suffer the sins of our forefathers. The good news is that God, our Heavenly Father, has made a way for us to come back to Him. He has made a way for us to be united with Him again. He has made a way for us to come back to this ideal and perfect environment. He has made a way for us to be in the presence of who He is. He has made a way for us to be able to walk with Him in the cool of the day. He has made a way for us to hear from Him, have a relationship with Him again. And that way is through Jesus Christ. That is the good news. Through Jesus Christ, we, all of us, everyone, everywhere, anytime, can choose the tree of life. That's a do-over. That's the good news of this do-over, right? That's the do-over of all do-overs. I think so. Because we're now still, we're facing the same decision that confronted Adam and Eve. Because Satan lied to us when he's, and he's still lying to us now. He is still lying to us now. And he's still trying to lie to us. Because do we still believe in the lie of obtaining knowledge will make us like God? Will make us invincible? Will cause us to defeat death through knowledge? Believe in the lie that we're in complete control of our own destiny? Believe in the lie that we will never die? Or believe that science is real? There's a saying for that, for those of you who may not know. That's a saying that science is real. It's a way of saying that God doesn't exist. Science may be real, but it's not the truth because science cannot explain how something came from nothing. It cannot explain how something came from nothing. Science cannot explain love. Science cannot explain understanding the difference between right and wrong. So actually, it's more logical to believe in God than to not believe in God. This, this actually, actually that's, that is also another sermon for another day when we talk about science. Well, let's get back to the, the how we get a do-over. We're now facing the same decision, choosing between the knowledge of good and evil or the tree of life. How do we know we get the do-over? Right? Let's look at John 17, verse 3. This is directly from Jesus Christ when he was praying to the Father through the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's our food. 
delivery. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. John 17 verse 3. This is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The tree of life, eternal life. What is it? So that if they know God, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. That is the tree of life. We get to make that decision all over again. It's to know our Heavenly Father is the only true living God, and He has re- sent Jesus to redeem us. We're now faced with the same situation that Adam and Eve did, right? There's a tree of life, which is Jesus, and a tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is to think we can know everything, knowing right from wrong by ourselves, and can decide for ourselves what is absolute truth. I don't think I need to give everyone here a history lesson on what knowledge has done for mankind. We have advanced greatly with, with in terms of medicine and technology. Just the fact that there's an iPhone here, that's pretty incredible, right? Technology has been great. But things that are happening now are still happening 500 years ago. There's still divisiveness. We see that everywhere. Greed, lust, injustice, hatred, prejudice, sickness, pain, jealousy, suffering, death, depression, anxiety, senseless killing. The technology is so great because we can come up with so many pills so people can take it to avoid the fact that we have so many problems. Senseless killings. I can go on and on. So knowledge has helped us to live more comfortably, but it has not made us better because all the things within our hearts are still there. If anything, it actually has caused even more suffering because with technology, we know how to articulate our hatred in a way that sounds good. With technology and understanding, it educates us to say things in a way that is very divisive, but it sounds good on the surface. So everything is still there. So knowledge does not help us to be better. I'm almost done. I know the food is here. I know I'm standing between you guys and lunch, so I'm going to finish up quickly. So what I'm saying is God is giving us a do-over because he is good, because he is faithful in his word, because he said, I will redeem. He will redeem his people. He's giving us a do-over because of his love for us. It's beyond understanding as he doesn't want us to suffer the eternal death. We know that from Hosea chapter 2. Actually, for me, it's flabbergasted that he even allows us to make this decision for ourselves. If you guys really think about it, and for those who actually have kids, if God, God even allow us to make this decision to believe in him, to choose to believe in him, to choose to accept his love, to choose to trust in him, it's because he loves us. He wants us to choose him freely and willingly. It's very difficult. I actually, to be honest, very difficult for me to comprehend because I live on a very busy street, and if I just tell Liam to go outside and play and I tell him not to run across the street, Damon, which is really busy, and I just kind of leave him alone, if he even think about running across the street, I'm going to take him, take him inside, and he's going to be very sorry <laughs> that he thought about running across the street. Because I love him, but for us, we don't fully understand what it is for God to love us so much that he wants us to choose to believe in him. He's very capable of making us love him. I believe that. He's very capable of not giving us a chance and just take away the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's like, this is all you get. Take it or leave it. Um, 
But that's not who he is. You know, there's a saying that if you love someone, you set them free. If they come back, you know that they love you. That's what, that is what God is doing. He wants us to choose him. Choose him over knowledge or thinking that we know. He wants us to choose him freely and willingly. Choose him because he loves us. So much that, just like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, we're making a decision that would impact not only us, but for all the generations to come. You know, I have kids. For those of you who don't have kids, it's a big thing because the decision I make, I want my kids and my grandkids and, and their kids to actually benefit from what I know and what I have. Because for us, for we at Restoration, we want everyone to make a decision to choose life. That's what we feel God has called us to do, to help people make a decision to choose the tree of life. Choose that not only for us, but also for the generation to come. Because the impact is significant. As you can see, the decision that Adam and Eve made that impacted generations that come afterward. So choosing the tree of life, choosing Jesus. So we got a chance again, right? Just picture we're in the middle of the garden, middle of the garden of Eden. Tree of life, a tree of knowledge. So choosing Jesus is our chance to make a decision for ourselves again, right? If you say, hey, Adam and Eve, they didn't know what they were doing. I don't want to be blamed for what they did. Well, here you go. Here's our chance to make it right. Here's our chance to choose eternal life, to choose salvation. Not only for us, but for the generation to come. So I want to say this. If you haven't made a decision to choose the tree of eternal life, I want to encourage you to do so today. All you have to do is accept that you have lived a life without God. Repent from that life and ask Jesus to come into your heart. That's all you have to do. There isn't a, a 10-week qualifying course or any kind of tryout or a, a boot camp to see if you are qualified. We're all qualified through Jesus. We're all qualified through Jesus. He's gone, he's gone through the tryouts and the boot camps and who knows what. He's done all that already. We are qualified for Jesus. If you want to choose eternal life now, I would love to lead you in the prayer to acknowledge and accept Jesus. See, this is about a personal, a personal relationship between us and God, between me and God, between you and God. I know we usually sometimes say this at the end where everybody's eyes are closed. I'm doing this now because I want to tell you, don't worry about what the other people think. They most likely have already chosen the tree of life already without worrying about what you think. This is about your life, and this is about your future generation. If you feel uncomfortable, and you want to choose eternal life privately, please come and grab me afterward. I would love to do that with you. Whether I'm talking with Mike, we can cut him off, and I would go and pray with you. Or if I'm eating or if I'm on the phone, I would be happy to stop that and, and go and pray with you. And I just want to let you know, the tree of life is so important, to be back in a perfect environment where we're meant to be to be back in a relationship with our Father again. All right, I'm ending for real, because I know the food is here. I've said earlier that we're celebrating Restoration's second birthday, but my message has nothing to do with Restoration. It is because when we celebrate the goodness and the faithfulness of our amazing, true living God, we're celebrating Restoration. Our church is celebrating in that when we lift up Jesus, when we honor Him, when we glorify Him. 
That's what we want to do. That's who we are and that's what we live for. That's what we want to be known for. We want to be known for a church of people that glorify Jesus. Because that's what we want to celebrate every day, every week, every year, everywhere, every time. So maybe you haven't seen it when you come to visit, glorifying Jesus everywhere. That's what we want to do all the time. We want to help people to make a decision to choose the tree of life. I know I keep saying that over and over again, but I'm going to keep on saying it, hopefully until you know what I'm trying to say. Do not believe the lie and listen to the devil. And do not live the lie and believe the devil. God is good. Once you choose God, we get to go to the perfect environment. Think Planet Pandora. If you haven't watched the movie, go watch the movie. It's pretty good. Anyway, I want to encourage you guys. If you haven't, let's choose eternal life for us and for the generation to come. Amen.